2 Corinthians 4.13, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And uh, it would be good if we could read the whole context of it. But we're just going to pull out this scripture right now because we're going to have several scriptures we're going to go to. I'm going to talk to you about spirit of faith speaks. There is a spirit of faith, amen? And the spirit of faith is not silent. And a lot of people have faith, but they think that they don't have to say a whole lot. Well, you can't have faith unless you're talking it. Because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's in your heart is going to come out your mouth. Anybody know that? Sometimes you're surprised at what comes out of your mouth. I didn't know I was given an object lesson this morning. But praise the Lord. Verse 13 says, But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and present us with you. So he's, he's saying, as the psalmist said, And he's really quoting from Psalm 166. The psalmist David said, I mean, 116, sorry. There's not a 166. That'd be interesting. 116, Psalm 116. Psalmist David says those words. I I believed and therefore I spoke. But what, what David was saying in that psalm was, I believed it, so I said it. Do you know what? You're going to say what you believe. You will. And that could be good or bad. If you believe that my mama was poor, my daddy was poor, my grandpa was poor, my grandmother was poor, so I'm going to be poor also. Well, then, if that's what you believe, you'll say it. If you say, well, everybody in my, all the men in my family died in their 50s of a heart attack, now I'm going to die in my 50s of a heart attack. Then you start believing it. But do you know the Word of God can turn any situation around? Amen? The Word of God is more powerful than genetics. Listen, you've been born into a new family. You're reborn. So, I, you know, I'm not stupid and I'm not, I'm not discounting uh, science or, or genetics. But I do know that the power of God is better and bigger Than any of that. My family might have been prone. This is how the the doctor would say. Prone to certain disease. Well if I just accept that and say. Well I guess I'm prone to that disease. Well then I'll start believing. And the first symptom that hits. That's sort of like that disease. Then I would probably say with my mouth. Oh I guess that's it. Listen. I have some genetics that are not good. On the natural side that I don't want to come to pass in my life. And so I don't say, well, I guess I'm going to have this and I guess I'm going to have that. Have you ever been to the doctor and, and you know, it might be your first time and they take your history? Gee, sometimes when they take my history, I just feel like, don't write that down. You don't want to lie, but, you know, it's like, anybody ever had cancer? Anybody ever had a heart attack? Anybody, anybody? (laughs) And you're going, yeah, 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 yeah. 
And you want to say, don't write it down. In fact, I have said to the doctor before, I've, I've had to do that several times, and I, it just doesn't look good on paper. And I'll say, but I'm not going to be like that. You know what they usually do go, mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless they're a believer, and then they'll agree with you. Amen? So praise the Lord. This is saying that what you believe is what you'll say. And it can be backwards, too. You'll say what you believe. And so we have to change our believing. And the way we change it, just we'll go to Romans 10 here in a minute. We're going to see that you, you change by speaking what you want. Amen? When the doctor said that I couldn't have children, you know, more than one doctor said you can't have children. But God had said, God had spoken to me and told me I was going to have a girl, and he told me what to name her, to name her Liberty, for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Liberty. He told me that before I ever met my husband, I'm going to give you a daughter, a little girl, and this is what you will name her. He talked to my husband when he was in Bible school and said, I'm going to give you a son, and this is what you will name him. See, it's important what you name your children. You need to know what God says, not what is the the popular thing at the moment. You need to have a word from God. You need to seek the Lord. But anyway, the doctor said you can't have children. Well, now somebody forgot to tell God that. Because he had already spoken and said, I I would have a daughter and a son. So when the doctor said, you're not going to have children, I didn't say, oh, well, I guess that negates what God said. No, that just, I said, well, we will have children. David was with me. We both declared we will have children. We will have a boy and a girl. We're going to have the boy first. Then we're going to have the girl. Well, to a doctor that's looking at what they can see, they can only see what they see. And so we had to declare with our mouth. And, you know, when you're in those situations, sometimes that's not easy to do. Because you know that you're fighting a fight. But God says that I could have what I say. God said that we were going to have children. God said... That he would bless our womb, the fruit of our womb. It's a part of the blessing in Deuteronomy 28. That you're blessed in the fruit of your womb. Amen? So it didn't matter that my body said, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to have a baby. My body was talking. You know, your body can tell you, well, you can't do that. Your body will say, well, if you do that, you're going to do, that's going to hurt this and this is going to do My body was saying, you can't have a child. But my spirit was saying, just watch. So we had one, we had Jonathan, just like we asked God for the son. God said, God told us, it's your choice, which one do you want to have first? We said, we want the boy first. Because there's never been a grandson in our family, we we want to bless the grandmothers with a grandson. So we'll take the boy first. And I always thought it would be nice to have a 
big brother to watch over the little sister. So I said, I'll take the boy first, David. Of course, David wanted the boy first. So they tell us that. Well, we have Jonathan, and then they say, after that's a miracle, they say, you can't have children. Well, you already told us that. Well, we don't know how you had that one, but you'll never have another one. Well, now we'll just have to see about that because we will have a daughter. But let me tell you, it didn't come easy. We had to find those who knew us in those days. They know we had to stand and stand. And when we had done all to stand, we had to keep standing because my body was rejecting that baby from the time she was conceived. My body was saying no. My spirit was saying yes. Guess who won? (laughs) the spirit one the lord one amen so your body will talk to you anybody had your body talk to you this week leaf did you have your body talk to you this week we're so glad you're here leaf amen we call you healed you recover all amen that i I tell you i told i told them that from the very moment i heard of his bones breaking the spirit of the lord brought that scripture to me about bones coming together and i just i just would say every time i thought of leaf thank you jesus bones come together bones come together life is in the bone life you're putting life in those bones amen so praise the lord but i'm sure leaf's body had some stuff to say this week well, your body, some of you raised your hands, and the rest of you, I don't believe you. I believe that your body did talk to you this week because you're human. And we have taught our bodies that they can tell us, I want to eat. Okay, okay, let's go eat. I want to sleep. Okay, okay, okay. And then the time you say, no, you can't eat. We're fasting today. What does your body do? (laughs) It's like there's warnings. Like they go all through. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? She says we're fasting. Store up. Store up. (laughs) Pile it on. Pile it on. Make her hungry. (laughs) And then gets her friends to ask her out to eat. (laughs) Do you know, how many of you try to fast and it's like people invite you? Like they haven't invited you for weeks, maybe months. You decide you're going to fast. Hey, would you like to come over for dinner? Oh, no, thank you. Would you like to go out to dinner? Oh, no, thank you. (laughs) Look, I baked this for you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) But if you'll decide that your spirit will control your flesh, your body. You'll ju- I'm telling you, it is a fight. I'm not telling you this is easy. But it gets easier once you train your body. I, I, don't, I don't exercise like I should, so I really have no right to speak into this. But people who do, <laughs> they... They just exercise whether they feel like it or not. I would like to say I was of those people. I'm not. Uh, but I'd like to be. <laughs> but obviously I don't like to be enough to them doing it. So I, am, I have not done that. But you have to train. If you're going to 
if you're going to run a marathon, you don't just, you know, like I don't register for the Boston Marathon. I think I'd like to go to Boston this year. I think I'll just run the marathon. That'd be idiotic. They would be, you know, taking the shovel and getting me off the sidewalk. It's like, that's not going to happen. You have to qualify anyway. They don't let just anybody show up. But you can't just decide. But now with the word of God, this is different. You can make a decision today to do what the word says. And you don't have to train for it for three weeks or three months. You can do it today. That's how the word works. Amen. You can make a decision today. I'm going to read my Bible every day. And you know what? You don't have to work up to it. I'll read my Bible every three days, and then I'll get to two days. No, God will help you. you got, you've got help. Amen? Amen. And so, Romans 4, go to Romans. I'm just, in fact, I can just read this to you. It's just one scripture we're looking at right now, and then we'll go to Romans 10. Romans 4, verse 17 says, He's talking about Abraham. As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. In the presence of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Now, what's it talking about? Let me tell you, if you're not familiar with the story, Abraham was, um, at that time, I think he was 75 years old. His wife was, I think, 65. They'd never had children. And God visits him and tells him he's going to be a father of many. Well, don't you think that might have been a little confusing to him? But he decided to believe God. And God, in fact, changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of many nations. Amen? Father of many. And so God said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. In fact, he, he really says, this scripture says, he said, a father of many nations have I made you? It's have done. It's already passed it. It's not I'm going to make you. I have made you. Well, Abram could have argued and said, but we've tried to have children in our youth. We tried to have children in our middle age. We're old now. How could we have children? And in fact, he did mess up a little bit because his wife suggested that he he father a child with her maid. You remember that, Hagar. And they tried to do it their way. And they had a, uh, Abram and Hagar had a son, called him Ishmael. And that wasn't God's promise. They, they were trying to make it happen. You know, when God tells you to do something, sometimes we try to make it happen, you know? Have you ever done that? God gives you a word. Like when, when I first got saved and, and uh, someone prophesied that I was going to go to a nation that wasn't my own nation. I was going to speak to people who had brown skin. Well, the first missionaries that came from Guatemala, they said, we need help. Well, hey, here I am. I'm single. I can quit my job and I'll go. I, I knew I, I wanted to go. I wanted to help God. You know, I thought that's, that's God. Those, do they have brown skin in Guatemala? Okay. I'm going to Guatemala. And thank God for missionaries 
who were desperate for help, but they listened to God. See, you can be desperate, but you don't have to take the first person that offers. you got to hear from God, not only for you, but for them. And so they said, no, you're not supposed to go with us. Well, I was a baby Christian, and I got my feelings hurt, and I thought, how dare them tell me? I mean, they're begging for help, but I'm not good enough. So I had to get over that. But God had a nation that I said I would never go to called Canada because I said it's too cold in Canada. Now I don't want to go to Texas. i got to go in September. I don't want to go. It's too hot because I'm now a Canadian. Who would want to live in that heat? But God had a plan. For us to go to the Cree people, the First Nation people. And when we got there, a lot of them didn't speak our uh, language. The children didn't speak English until they got into school. And so the first thing they did was put me with the three-year-olds, like the three- and four-year-olds, little kids, to teach them Sunday school. (laughs) They didn't speak English. I didn't speak Cree. That just wasn't a whole lot of fun. We just played. Didn't learn anything. But we played. But so see, God had a plan for me to come to this nation. But I didn't know that. And God had to birth that in my heart. Well, Abram, didn't, he didn't see how Sarah, and actually Sarah didn't see, how she could be a mother. Listen, we have to allow God to do it his way. God says he wants to bless you. You know what? You don't have to figure out how that's going to be. God says he's going to heal you. You don't have to figure out how that's going to be. Some people think, well, if I go to the doctor, then I'm not using my faith. You better use your faith. Well, if I take medicine, then they, they, it's like if I take medicine, I can take medicine or I can believe God. No. Put them together. Amen? The best way, like Brother David was saying on Wednesday night, the best way is that we live in health and don't have to get healed. Amen? That's our best. That's where we need to believe for. That we live healthy, we live strong, we live long. Amen? But if you're not at that point yet, use your faith. When you go to a doctor, believe God for that doctor. When... When Leaf was going into surgery, and I prayed several days, <laughs> so they got lots of prayer. Those surgeons, but we prayed for the surgeon, we prayed for the nurses, we prayed for the the uh, anesthesiologist, we prayed for the lab technicians. We said anybody that touches Leaf or anything concerning Leaf, we pray for the anointing of God to be on them. Well, did they have to be believers? No, God anointed. He anointed unbelievers in the Bible. He called Cyrus my anointed. Cyrus wasn't a believer. But God called him Cyrus my anointed. Well, God can anoint people for our benefit. So when you go, if you have to go to a doctor, if you have to go to a hospital, use your faith. Don't say, well, you know, don't feel defeated. And that's what some people do. They just think, well, I wasn't. I didn't have enough faith. <laughs> that's a that's a trick of the devil. 
And we are not going to get into that. Amen. So you got to say, I believe that I am healed. And that when I take this medicine, it does what it's supposed to do. And when I go to that doctor, he has the mind of Christ. He knows what's, he, he has wisdom. I sat with my doctor the other day and told him, I am believing God for the anointing of God to come on you. When you look at my test, when you look at anything concerning me, that the anointing of God will come on you. Now, thank God my doctor understands that. He's a believer. He understands. But I said, the anointing of God will come on you to know what to do. I know a, a, a situation. We, this is years ago. This guy, the, this boy was 12 years old. He's now a father, has, has children older than 12, and he's preaching the gospel. But he was 12 years old, and he had a brain tumor. We got a call, and, and they just discovered it. And it's like, okay, they're going to do surgery and pray. Pray. So we prayed just like I said we prayed for relief. We prayed that way. This is many years ago. We lived in Loon Lake at the time. And I remember Dave and I praying, and I'm sure people were praying all over the world. We weren't the only ones praying. And uh, the surgeon that did the, the surgery was a believer. And he had prayed before he went in there. And this is his testimony. He said he went to, to go in there to remove that tumor and everything he had been taught told him to do it this one way. But he said the Spirit of the Lord says don't do that. Cut over here. And he said he had all this training, all this education going no, no, no. If you do that, you're going to paralyze him and no, he'll, you'll kill him. and No, no, no. But the Spirit of the Lord said, do what I say. Thank God for a doctor that said, okay, I'm going to do what you say. He did. The boy recovered. Like I said, he's a father, a preacher, a worldwide preacher known all over the world, preaching the gospel. But praise God, he wouldn't be if he had had a doctor that wouldn't listen to God. Can you imagine that? His, his assignment on earth would have been cut short. He would have been in heaven having a great time, but his assignment had been cut short because the doctor didn't obey God. So we have to pray. We have to pray. Amen? So God called Abraham a father before he was in the natural a father. Amen? I called myself uh, when I broke my back and, and I was paralyzed. I called myself what I said from the very beginning. I'm going to come out of here walking and leaping and praising God. I said it the very moment they put me in the, on the table and they were testing to see if I had any feeling below my waist and they were telling me, you, you, you know, you don't. And uh, I said, that's okay. I'm going, I thought I was going out that night. I thought, I'd, you know, give me an hour or two. I'll be out of here. I said, I'm, not, I'm leaving this hospital walking and leaping and praising God. Well, it, it didn't happen that night, but I didn't change my confession. My confession was, I, I confessed Jeremiah 29, 11, that I know the plans God has for me. They're plans for good and not for evil to give me a future and a hope. Amen. I had two little children. 
I had a husband. I had a church. I was not going to be paralyzed. And so 16 days later, I went out of that hospital walking and leaping and praising God. But it was a fight. And people had to pray with me. I wasn't all by myself. Thank God. This is, a, this is a joy of having the body of Christ. Amen? That you're not by yourself. But it's important what you say. The moment I woke up in that, that car accident and I came to, I'd been knocked out. And when I came to and I realized I couldn't move, the first thing I started doing was started singing, I am the God that healeth thee. Because I'd been listening to it all day long. And I should start singing that. In the dark. Hidden in a ravine. No one could see me. And just. It was December weather. But I knew that I was coming out. I knew someone was going to rescue me. I knew that I might not could move now. But I would move. But I had to have the word in me. You got to have the word in you for it to come out. If you don't have it in you, you know what comes out? What you watch on television or your sports or whatever. Whatever you have in you will come out. So you have to make deposits. You know, it's like a bank account. I can't go write a check if I haven't put money in the bank. That's called fraud. Amen? That's not called faith. Some people think that's faith. Just write a check and the money will be there. No, that's fraud. Faith is believing God for money to go in there so you can write a check. Amen? But you have to make deposits, right? You can't walk into CIBC tomorrow and say, I want $2,000, please. They'll say, well, what's your account number? Well, I don't have an account here. Well, we're not going to give you $2,000. Would you like to talk to our loan officer? No, I want it right now. Just give me 2000 No, they're going to think you're trying to rob them. But God doesn't do this. God says we can put it in us and it'll come out of us. But you have to put the word of God in you. There is, there's no shortcuts. There's no fast food way to do this. You have to do it God's way. And now, listen. When I got saved, we just we had reel-to-reel tapes and thought that was the grandest thing. Well, we did have eight tracks, but we we only had there was only a few Christian artists at that time, and so you, your I think my eight track selection was like four of Christian music, but we had reel-to-reel to hear Brother Copeland preach and Brother Hagen preach, and then. I remember cassette tapes came out. Y'all thinking, boy, she is really old. Yeah, I am. But that's okay. Um, We got cassette. I'm really young. Just have older years. But we got cassette tapes, and we thought those were grandest things. And you know what we Christians would do? We'd have a Bible. This is how we did. We'd have a Bible like this, sometimes bigger, and a cassette tape player with a condenser mic on it, and sometimes we had a real mic, and we'd sit on the front and record the message because nobody was recording them back in the back. You know, only the big ministries could do that. But at church, you know, we'd do that. And I remember I was, in, I was this is when I was uh, 
working with Brother Jerry Savelle, and, and my, my roommate said, I can't go to church. Will you record the service? Absolutely. Got my little tape player, got my Bible, sat on the front row just like Barry here. Now, look, Barry's got an iPad. He does his notes and reading on, but we, that's way over reel to reel. But anyway, sitting here. Well, this, this particular cassette player had um, a radio on it. Can you guess what I did? I'm on the front row. Brother Jerry is walking right like this. And I, he starts, open your Bible. Man, I press it. And he goes, It was some Christian station. But he, he stops and goes, can you turn that off? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many know it's like when your cell phone rings and you just, like any other time you can turn your cell phone off in a moment. But if it rings in church, you can't find it. It's like. How do you turn this thing off? Well, anyway, that's what we did. And we just thought we were, I mean, we were fancy. Fancy. Because we could record. And and you go to a convention. You go to one of Brother Copeland's meetings. I mean, it was like standard fare. People would have a Bible and a cassette player. They were, oh, the slim lines came in. They, we love those because they would just fit, you know. You could even put, you could get a Bible case and they could go in there and it was great. It was great. And then our churches started getting equipment so they could record and we didn't have to bring our recorders. Oh man, that was wonderful. Today, this is my point. We had to go to a lot of effort to keep hearing this word. But today, look at the ways that we can hear the word today. There are so many ways. You can have the the word playing in your truck and in your cars. You can have the word playing. Jonathan mows my yard. He has his, his, uh, uh, what is it? Your iPod. I just went, He has the iPod. He's listening to somebody preach while he mows the yard. You know, you can have the word going all the time. We have no excuse not to have the word going in us. Absolutely none. You have ways. God has made a way that we can have the word of God preached. Now that you need to be careful what you put in, like you don't. You don't listen to everything that says they're a Christian. But you can get the word of God in you. And that word of God will change your life. Amen? And if you get put it in it, well, then when trouble comes, you'll be surprised. It'll come out. The word will come. Amen? You won't say those swear words like you used to say. Or you won't say doubt and unbelief and fear. The word will come out. I thought that when I first got saved, I thought that was the neatest thing the first time that trouble came. And I I yelled out, Jesus! And it was like, oh, that is cool. Like, I've never done that before. It, I, why did I do that? I didn't know. I was a baby, baby Christian. I went to the people that led me to the Lord. And I said, I almost had a wreck. And I yelled out, Jesus! And they said, yeah, that's how come you're not in the wreck. Really? Well, how, where did it come from? Like, I didn't think about it. 
No, it was in you. Because what's in you will come out of you. Amen? So Romans 10, the many people call Romans 10 the Roman road. And many preachers say, well, now they tell the young preachers, okay, be sure to take them down the Roman road. Well, because it tells you how to get born again. There's other scriptures that do too. Romans 10, verse 6, says, But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. There again, righteousness speaks if it's based on faith. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? What does righteousness based on faith say? The righteousness based on faith says the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. Now, we quoted out of Proverbs. It says out, out of the man's heart, his mouth speaks. But it says it's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So your, what you believe in your heart is, results in you having a righteousness consciousness. Amen? But before you're born again, what you believe in your heart, you know what that's called? Sin consciousness. You think about sin. You think about how to sin. Think about how not to sin. But you're conscious of sin. But once you get born again, you become conscious of righteousness. Because we don't have to try to be righteous. Because once you're born again, the Bible says that he, Jesus, has been made unto you. Righteousness. You are righteous not by what you do. You are righteous by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Now, now living righteous is a different story. Doing righteous deeds is different. But scripturally, you are righteous. And that was really hard for me to understand. You know, I remember when I got saved, I was still messing up. Anybody got saved and you still messed up? Anybody besides me? Yeah. Okay, that's good. I wasn't the only one. So I was still messing up. I mean, my life was, I was radically saved. But I still messed up. And so I remember the preacher preaching and says, you're the righteousness of Christ. And uh, I remember saying, well, not me. <laughs> they don't know me. But these people, you know, I'd look at somebody in the church, particularly the people that led me to the Lord, and I'd, it was a couple, and I'd say, well, now they're righteous because they're good people. I didn't, I didn't assume. I just figured they never sinned. Like, I, you know, Eric and Rhonda never sin. I just think, well, they don't sin. But <laughs> I kind of do, so they're righteous, but I'm not. And I didn't know how to believe God. I, had, I was just baby. And so I had to learn that you have to believe that by faith, just like you have to believe you're born again. Amen? You're born again. I remember a, a guy in uh, Loon Lake, and he got born again, and he was at our house almost every day going, I don't believe I'm born again. 
And we'd sit down with him and we'd tell him, yes, you are. And we'd go through the scriptures. And he'd say, I hear what you're saying. But I just don't think I'm born again. I, I just want to make sure I'm born again. Are you sure I'm born again? Yes, you're born again. Well, could we pray again? Well, yes, but you are born again. It took a long time for that guy to finally realize he was born again. You know why? Because he was still looking at himself just like you and I look at ourselves. Amen? You know, <clears throat> sometimes we know ourselves and we, we know that we've missed the mark in some areas. But the thing is, the blood of Jesus covers us. Amen? That's a, we're, we're saved by grace. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You don't even get saved because you did so good. And you can't get unsaved because you do so bad. Amen? You're saved by grace. Thank God for that. Amen? So you have to take the word of God and you create an image in yourself. And that word that you take and you create an image will be an image that is based on God. Because all of us have an image of ourselves, right? You know, maybe you grew up and your your parents told you you weren't this or you were that or whatever. They, they might have told you stuff and you believed it or maybe a teacher. You know, sometimes it's surprising that you hear people talk about one person in their life when they were a little kid told them, you know, you can't sing and or you can't write or you'll never, you know, you, you'll never be able to go to college or all those kind of things. And one person, and they take it and it, it determines their life. Well, if we can see that the word of God, we can take the word and we can change our image. We can know ourselves as we are known. Amen. What does God say about us? What is God's opinion of us? Do you know God, God's opinion of you is so much better than your own opinion of you? In your, in your best days, God still thinks better of you than you think of you. Because God sees you through the love of God. He sees you through the blood of Jesus. He sees you through mercy and grace. Amen? Don't ever think that God's mad at you. God doesn't, God doesn't have an anger problem. Did you know that? God is not angry with you. God's not mad at you. God just loves you and is waiting for you to turn to him and he can help you get out of the mess you're in. Amen? I'm telling you, we can get ourselves in messes, but God will always get us out if we'll turn to him. So we find out you were saved. How were you saved? You spoke it. Remember, uh, my husband David said that for years. I mean, he was a he he was ordained to be a pastor when he was a teenager, Southern Baptist pastor, and he changed that scripture because he thought surely God made a mistake there. So he would lead people to the Lord, and he he would quote the scripture, but he'd quote it different. He'd say. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Well, I believe. He said, finally, God said, quote it right. But as you see, if you keep reading, it's really both of those working together. Amen. That we must 
believe in our heart. But you're going to believe what you say. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and tell you, you look nice today, and you say, no, I don't? Who do you believe? You believe you, don't you? Someone comes up and said, you're just the sweetest person in the whole world. And you go, you don't know me. You believe you. So the, the challenge is to change what you think of you. What I think of me and line it up with the word of God. Amen? I am who he says I am. I can have what he says I can have. I can do what he says I can do. He says I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. He says I can do all things through Jesus Christ. He says that if I believe, all things are possible to me. He says that I have victory, that I'm victorious. He says that blessings overtake me. He says I'm the head, not the tail, above only, not beneath. He says I'm healed. He says I'm redeemed. He says, I'm delivered. Whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. He says, I'm delivered. So I must say what he says. And quit saying what you said, what your mama said, what your husband or your wife say. You say what God says. If your husband and your wife, now listen, husbands and wife, you should say what the word says about your spouse. Amen? Even if they act ugly, you still say what the Word says. Amen? Because you want them to say what the Word says about you. Amen? You do it because you love God, really. And if you want to see change, it's the, if you just say what the problem is, then you're, that's what you're going to have. We must, listen, we're called the Word Church. We're supposed to believe the word of God. We're called word of faith believers. We're supposed to walk by faith. We're supposed to be different from what the world is. Yet most Christians, and even in our own church, that we are living below what God has for us because we believed a wrong report. And today... I'm asking you, I'm challenging you to change what you believe about you if it's not according to the Word of God. Now, if it's according to the Word of God, please don't change. But take what God says and believe it about yourself. You know, God, God knew you. The Bible says that while you were yet in your mother's womb, He called you. Remember what He said to Jeremiah? I've appointed you as a prophet to the nations while you were in your mother's womb. Psalm says that, that I formed you. I created you. God is not surprised at how you turned out. And another thing is, let's just get, let me just quickly, I want to wrap this up. Deuteronomy 30. I wrote this note to myself. You can take the word of God and create a new image of yourself to yourself. You can have an extreme makeover. 
Some of us need an extreme makeover today. And we don't need to go on some television show to get it. We can go to the Word of God, and God's Word can make us over. Amen? Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. For this commandment which I command you today is not too difficult for you, nor is it out of reach. One translation said, this commandment I command you today is not difficult, it's easy. You know, I'm always surprised when I hear testimonies, I'm putting that in quotes, of someone that says, it's so hard to be a Christian. You're not doing it right. Because the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. If you're having a hard time, I check what you're doing. Now, it does take discipline. And it does take tenacity and courage. Yes, it takes those things. But hard, I mean, they always, and they say it like hard. It's so hard. Even the word is hard. Well, that's not what the scripture says. He said, it's not too difficult for you, nor is it out of your reach. It is not in heaven that you should say he will go up to heaven for us. See, this is the same scripture we were reading in the New Testament. And make us hear it that we may observe it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross the sea for us to get it for us and make us hear it that we may observe it. In other words, he's saying... You can't trust or depend on other people to get this for you. It's not hard. It's not difficult. But you're going to have to get it yourself. You can't say, who's going to believe for me to get healed? You're going to have to believe for yourself. Who's going to pray for me today? I just feel so depressed. You're going to have to pray for yourself. Now, thank God we have people to pray with us. But it starts with you. You have to put the word in your life over your circumstances. Amen? You, if you don't, then you're lazy and immature. And, and Paul says that we're not supposed to remain babies. Amen? And you get fed good food scripturally. Spiritually, you get fed good food so that you can grow. Amen? So you have to take the words you hear. You have to take the word that you read. You have to take the word that God speaks in your heart. And you have to say, I'm going to do that. I'm not looking for someone else to go get the word for me. Amen. Thank God. I don't have it like when David was on the earth. (laughs) My David. People would call and say, where's this in the Bible? I mean, like, just interrupt the day. Can you tell me where this is in the Bible? Well, now, you know, if someone calls me, I'll say, well, okay, you get you a concordance, and I can look it up for you and give it to you right now, but let me tell you how you can do that. And if you have a computer, I'm telling you, there's free programs. You can find the scriptures. Amen? But you don't need to be depending on someone else. You get in the Word, find it for yourself. Amen? You can do it. You're Every one of you, even the baby Christians, you can do this. Because God's word said it's not too difficult and it's not out of reach. Verse 15 says, See, I've set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. Okay, here's, here's your choice. Life and prosperity, death and adversity. <laughs> death and adversity. 
Door one or door two? Which one do you want? We would think, who would choose death? But we choose it with our words. I don't think we. I don't think any of us would say, "Okay, I choose adversity." I just, I love a good challenge. I know some of you in here are very com- competitive, and you go, "Well, give it to me. I can handle it." Well, that's a fool. Because you don't have to ask the devil; he's going to give you adversity. But don't choose it. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Now, he's saying you have a choice. This is the thing, people. God has given each one of us a free will. Now, it is God's will that every man be saved, meaning human. Everyone should come into the knowledge of Christ. That's, the word says that. That's his will. Hell was not made for humans. God doesn't desire anyone to go to hell. God wants everyone to be in heaven. But you have to choose. It's not automatic. Just because grandma was a Christian and mama was a Christian, you don't get it by inheritance that way. You get it by divine inheritance. But you have to make that choice. And so he says, choose life. I love it. It's like he gives you a multiple choice test and tells you the answers. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in school and they gave me a multiple choice test and the teacher gave me the answer sheet, do you think I would say, well, I don't think I'm going to use that. I'll just make, I'll make up my own mind. <laughs> I would have used it. So he says, so choose life in order. This is the thing. I love this. In order that you may live, you and your descendants. It's, it's not just about you. God's saying, you've got to choose life. You've got to choose this life of God, not only for yourself, but for those behind you. For your children and your children's children. You know, it only takes one person in a family. To change the whole, whole uh, well, I can't think of the word, but the whole group of people. For instance, my father. Nobody in my father's family was a Christian. Nobody, but nobody, but nobody. In fact, we've traced back and we've found some that might have been way, way back for a while. We, we couldn't even find any of them, but we've, you know, but. None of my my father's, not his parents, not any of his brothers or his sisters were born again. None of them. But my daddy got born again in 1956. And uh, still, nobody got saved. My daddy died, and uh, nobody still was saved. But 
the meanest one of the group. His brother was, I mean, just the mean one. I wrote him a letter. He got diagnosed with cancer, and I wrote him a letter and told him how to get saved. Well, his sister was taking care of him, so every day he had his sister read that letter, and he would pray that prayer every day. I always say that when people from that little town he lived in would get to heaven, they think they went the wrong way. Because he died before he could live as a Christian. But when I went to his funeral, my aunt said, you know, she said, he got born again like you said in that letter. Because every day he had me read that letter and he prayed it every day. And I said, well, you know, once would have been fine. But, you know, he, he just thought he'd been so mean all his life. Like, I better make sure. But she said, but I had to read it to him. She said, so I started praying it too. So she said, I'm, I'm born again now too. And then another brother got born again. And so one person can change the descendants. Amen. Now you might have come from a long line of Christians and that's wonderful. A great heritage of faith is wonderful. But it doesn't guarantee that you're going to be that. I, I, You know, I think about Joshua and his testimony. Like, his mama was a believer. His grandparents believers. But you know, Joshua didn't get it by osmosis. He didn't get it by just being born into the family. In fact, he ran from it. He rebelled against it. But he had, one day he had the opportunity... And he made the right choice. Amen? So that when he raises his children, then they have a godly mother and a godly father. So it's more likely that they're going to, and our our belief is that they're going to serve the Lord. They got godly grandparents. They got godly uh, uncles and aunts. That's wonderful. But listen, if you're the only Christian in your family... Tag, you're it. You start believing God for your family to get saved. Amen? You start believing God, and I tell you, God will get your family. He will make a way. It's amazing how God can work. I don't have time to tell you testimonies of how he worked in my family's life. It's amazing. You might say it's impossible, but nothing's impossible with God. And you want your family saved? I trust you do. <laughs> of course you do. Then you stand on, there's a scripture that says, you and your household shall be saved. There's other scriptures about your family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's scriptures that you can take hold of and say, God, I refuse to let one person, I don't care if it's a distant cousin, go to hell. As long as I'm on this earth, I'm going to believe God. For laborers to be sent across their path. Amen. God wants everyone to come to him. Why? Because he wants to be good to them. You know, I think about, I, I, you know, I think about male males here this morning. And I think about them coming out, you know, like Elizabeth and them. They, they came out of a religious you know, grouping, but they weren't born again. But let me tell you, 
when they that family got together, they're like all born again. Like you just turn around. This one's born again. This one's born again. But somebody had to make the first move. Amen. And then they told that. They started believing for that sister and that brother. And, it, and Arnie and Esther. And you, you start believing. And now you guys have children who are believers. And their children's children who are believers. Do you see? It takes you and it takes me to say, from here on, my family is going to serve the Lord. I, I, you know, I'm soon to be a Mimi. I am a Mimi, but just not out in the open yet. But, but I, I have a, I am a Mimi to a little baby right now that's percolating. Amen. <laughs> but I've been praying for that baby way before that, for before there was even a marriage. I was praying for my children's children. I've got scriptures underlined in my Bible that I've prayed over my children's children. Amen? Why? The Bible says that we're to leave an inheritance for our children's children. Well, I know some people preach that as, as money, and I think it's good to leave money, but I think an heritage of faith is the best thing you can leave. That they can look back and they can get... I've got my grandfather's Bible at my house. And I can look... At, my grandmother gave my grandfather the Bible. And it was I think it was like 1929 or 19... And I can look at my grandfather's Bible. And I thank God for that. But I want my grandchildren, like right now we're putting, uh, we're getting all our sermons digitized and, and putting David's sermons on digital so that you'll be able to, to listen to all his teachings and stuff. But I want them to have an opportunity to hear faith preached from their their grandmothers, their grandfathers. Amen? Not only their father and their mother, but from their grandfathers and their grandmothers. Amen? To hear that heritage of faith. Amen? So this is saying, you got to choose life, not just for you, but for your descendants. It's a very selfish thing when we say, well, you know what? I'm just tired. I'm checking out. Listen, there's been times I've wanted to check out. Maybe you have too. There's been times when the doctors gave up on me and it would have been easy just to check out. But I had a reason to have to use my faith. But I had to use my faith. But you know what? I believe that it's if we start living more in the Lord, more for Him and in Him, that we we don't consider our own bodies. That's what it says about Abram, didn't it? it? Said he considered not his own body. Now as good as dead. I mean, <laughs> that man was old. Because you know God didn't talk to him for a while after he had Ishmael. He kind of cut off the communication. It took a couple of decades before God had anything to say to him again can mess up when you choose your way instead of God's way. 
But now listen, we have the blood of Jesus. We're under a new covenant. We got it better. Thank God. But we got to use what we've got. We have it better than Abram had it. Thank God for that. But we can't take it lightly. So, God says, choose life. You have a choice. But if you don't make a choice, a choice will be made for you. You know who makes that choice? Now, God God lets you use your free will, but if you don't make the choice, Satan will accommodate you. He'll choose death for you. He'll choose adversity for you. He'll just he'll be glad you didn't make a choice. In fact, when you make the choice, he's going to fight you for it. Cuz he's used to getting his way. But we win. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. If you don't choose to speak the word of God, you're going to have to live like the world. Have you looked at the world lately? I choose to live like God. I choose to live under the blessing, under the covering. Listen, there's a godly covering when you are in the right position with God. When you're where you're supposed to be. When you are in your set place, then you have chosen life. And you've chosen the right thing. God will not choose for you. He will tell you how it is in the word of God, but he will not choose for you. I mean, how, how much clearer can he make? He says, I've said it before you, choose life. But he doesn't say, I choose life for you. He says, you choose life. And that doesn't mean just living. Listen, you can be breathing, but you're not living. You understand what I'm saying? It means living life for God, in God, in Christ. Living a godly life. Living a life that makes a difference. Amen? We are not here to just maintain. We are here to make a difference in our world. Make a difference where we are, in our workplace, in our schools, in our communities. We are not here just to maintain so that, you know, Jesus help me make it to the end. He'll help you make it to the end, but he wants you to enjoy the ride. Amen? This life of Jesus is a good life. It's in a life of adventure. It's a life of freshness. It's a life of joy. It's a life of love. And I wouldn't choose any other life. I've lived dead. In other words, without Jesus. And I've lived with Jesus. This is better. Amen? And if you ever get tempted to go backwards... Slap yourself and say, don't do that. That's just not wise. I'm watching how I say it this time, right? That's just not wise. Don't choose the way of the world. Choose the way of Jesus. And he will bless you in ways you've never imagined. I'm living. Better than I ever imagined I could live. 
because of the blessing of the Lord. I'm able to give more than I ever believed I could because of the blessing of the Lord. Our ministries are able to give more than we ever imagined we could. But listen, now that we know, I can imagine a lot bigger. Amen. I'm not going to say, well, boy, we did good. Pat ourselves on the back and go, okay, guys, we can coast this year. No. There's a world out there that needs Jesus. And it's waiting on somebody that really believes Not someone that says, yes, I'm a Christian. But someone that says, I believe in a living God. I believe that God can change your life. I believe that God can heal you. I believe that God can set you free. I believe that God can deliver you from addiction. I believe. Why? Well, maybe we can say, well, I was set free from addiction. I was set free from fear. I was healed but you know what even if you haven't experienced that you've got the word of god you don't have to have have some dread disease so that you can testify how god will heal you amen you don't have to you know go the way of the world just so you have a good testimony the good testimony is god kept me amen but If you have that testimony, then use it to tell someone else what God's done in your life. Amen? Because there's people that are like you, or like you were, that they're out there and they don't know there's an answer. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't know if they can even live through the rest of the year. And how can we sit in our little church with our nice seats and nice music and praise the Lord When there's a world out there that says, somebody come help me. Somebody come help me. You're the somebody. I'm the somebody. Amen. Don't wait for someone else. Well, I know that, well, Jonathan and Tia can do it, or Josh and Leah can do it, or Kim can do it, or whatever. You're the only one that some people will listen to. You're that door. You're that vessel. Amen? So, faith that is, righteousness is that is of faith speaks. So let's start saying what we believe. Let's say what we want, not what we had. Instead of saying, I've got a headache, say, thank God my headache is healed in Jesus' name. Say what you want God to do for you, not what. You're fighting. You understand? Speak the, don't speak the problem. Speak the promise. That takes training. That takes practice. But you get better at it. Amen? Stand to your feet. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, this is completely different. When we're talking about speaking these things, like Abraham did, and like God did to Abram, we understand that this is completely opposite the world. You do understand that. Because the world just tells it, as they say, we're going to tell it like it is. Well, if you tell it like it is, it's going to keep being like it is. But if you'll speak the word of God, you can change it. Because God's word is more powerful than anything this world has.